0: Hello and welcome to the next episode of the Superhero Podcast. Now, I am Matt Wilson, as always, your Superhero Finder host, and I'm searching the cosmos and all the space and universe around it, including planet Earth, our beloved planet Earth, to find real-life superheroes, some inspiring stories, something for you to take away today to maybe superpower your day, or it might be just to make somebody else's that little bit better as well. So whatever you want to do with this, I hope you take something away. And welcome to my guest today, Yvonne Hyman. How are you doing, Yvonne?
1: Doing great. um, I'm one coffee in, started my day really fun, and now I get to hang out with you.
0: Absolutely. What time is it where you are?
1: Right now, my time is 9 a.m. in the morning.
0: Oh, not as early. So you're in San Diego, right?
1: I am in San Diego. I'm enjoying sunny San Diego. I live where other people go for vacation. I left the snow and the four seasons of Germany behind me.
0: There's a lot more to Germany than the snow in the Four Seasons, isn't there?
1: I do miss my good food and sandwich meats and the cooking. Yes. The US is starting to pick up on the good food. I I give it that. But yeah, considering I was able to buy good salami and sandwich meats for a dime on the dollar, what I pay here for it. That does hurt sometimes, but seasons are overrated.
0: You just like the hot weather. In California. it's not
1: hot it really isn't hot so i used to after moving here from moving to the u.s from germany i initially moved to san diego not san diego moved to sacramento that's where i spent most of my time in the u.s so far and you hit three digits up there so in celsius you easily hit the 40 45 in the summer it is miserable in san diego we complain when it goes colder than 72 and we pull out 72 is 27, maybe 27 wow. Celsius. So we pull out the down jacket. <laughs> I get used to that. Yeah. Um, but we also barely ever hit anything past 37. When when it turns 37, 38, okay. it's getting hot here. So you have that balance because you get the ocean breeze.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: It's nice. It is. It is nice and steady most of the year.
0: You see, we get to 27 in the UK. And that's when the shorts and the vests come out.
1: Yeah. No. It out. Uh,
0: that's, that's when amazing. I pull up my
1: down jacket. <laughs> I, got, I got so used to it. And I was like, there is that funny memory of when I moved to, to the States initially, end of November, and I'm standing on a patio. I see the, uh, the fog in the valley and all the things. And I'm there in T-shirt. And I'm like, oh, yeah, I can do this. A year later, same day, same temperature, I was in a down jacket.
0: Maybe there's something in well, I think you were climatized, don't you? So if you're getting you just used get used to it. Warmer, then, yeah, then it'll be that it becomes your cold. So have yeah. you been back to Germany recently or anywhere that's colder than where you are?
1: Last time I was back was in 2019. I actually brought my mom back over here to Sacramento to visit. I was right before I moved. And it it was in August, so it wasn't necessarily cold. I usually come when it's still nice. <laughs>
0: a fair weather you were energized by the fair weather then Mm
1: -hmm. yeah but i do leave with a suitcase full of salami and chocolate and and knorfix and all the things yeah
0: because you just can't find them where you are
1: it's starting it's starting to to be available (laughs) i found an aldi in my backyard so i'm i'm all happy
0: that's good The the European takeover is starting, clearly. Uh It'll take a while to get through. It's a very very large country as the USA, isn't it? What country, we say. Um, So, obviously, we could talk forever on this on the small stuff. Mm -hmm. But on the superhero finder, we'd like to speak about some of the superhero backstories. So, what is it, the steps and events that create the superhero we have? Okay. And your journey, in fact, ironically, we've just been talking about it, started with you moving from Germany to mm-hmm. America. Do you want to take us through some of that? What happened? You know what
1: happened? <sighs> that move was probably more of a running away from commitments I had in Germany. I was right. in a marriage that wasn't working right, that he was spending my money that he wasn't supposed to be spending. It was not dealing with the issues. That's pretty much, without seeing it in the moment, but that's pretty much what it was. I packed two suitcases, cases, grabbed my dog, mm-hmm stepped on a plane and suddenly I was in Sacramento so it wasn't planned and the big grade we are immigrating to the US it didn't happen that way I actually ended up being an undocumented immigrant for seven years thanks to my first husband so that was quite quite mm-hmm. the bleep show um but yeah I'm like still I'm I'm thankful for it because I am here I am where I am today and if it wouldn't have been such a bleep show I might have stayed in Germany and I wouldn't be where I am today and I love where I am so yeah again that move to the U.S. wasn't really such a big great gesture it was just a not dealing not wanting to deal with the situation I was in
0: Right, okay, yeah. So so it was um it was a well, a way out or a way away from yep. you know where I didn't
1: even talk to my mom at that point. She she learned later on when I was in the US that I moved.
0: Okay. So when, when she wanted to pop over for tea and biscuits, then it was a bit far to go.
1: We already were distant because it was easier to not deal with her than admit the things I was doing wrong. The things I shouldn't be doing. Yeah. The, all the drama that was going on with my first husband it was easier to just push her aside and not talk to her and deal with my shortcomings and the things I should be learning so yeah but we have repaired that relationship as well as my relationship with my grandparents by now
0: good to hear I mean it, it must be difficult and I and you know, in no way do I know what you felt then and in no way does anyone listening to this kind of know exactly how you felt and you make your own decisions. But I know there's been times where, you know, running away or just to change or just getting away from mm-hmm. the thing, you know, the, the things that are going on, the kind of negative things, that, the things that are creating, creating some, you know, some stresses is the right thing to do. And I know, I know personally, I'm very good at kind of shelving things and putting things in a little box. Now, as time goes on, have you, as part of that, rep, you know, reparation process with your your mom and your grandparents as well, um, have you come to terms with or maybe accepted some of the things that have happened or where, where does it sit for you?
1: It just is what it is. I'm like, in the moment, I didn't really feel anything. And all of the trouble, all of the drama, all of the things that I didn't want to deal with, I put them in a box and I put them away. So there was nothing really happening in this moment of, oh my God, or freak out or or anything. Um, It was quite a challenge to admit to myself how much I screwed up, how much I hurt my family, how much I hurt the people around me. And it took a while to rebuild that trust. And it literally just took the repetition to prove I learned my lesson and I'm not doing it again.
0: Do you feel free, by the way, if I ask a question, feel free to to say you'd rather not talk about it. But I would you know, some of the some of the things that maybe you have to then gain trust back from. Were they things that you did based on your own thought or were you in any way influenced by the situation you were in to do with those? Were they naturally something you would have done or were they kind of cultivated by what was going on?
1: no it was really just the okay I want to have that relationship I do understand what's going on in their mind and and as a result of how I behaved before so it was really just the uh, I wanted to do this I wanted to have this relationship back I knew I lost that trust I knew I needed to rebuild that trust and just be there it's yeah, it's like, it's not that quote, I was forced by the situation or by whatever is going on. It's just, okay, I learned my lesson. I see the writing on the wall. Now let's fix it.
0: I love that. I love yeah, and that. I think
1: I think a big piece of that was as an immigrant in a country, it's, it's often a struggle of you feel home, but you don't feel home you don't have your family close by i like even if even if you live on opposite ends in germany the longest you have to drive is what four hours
0: mm-hmm.
1: north to south east to west east to west is even closer um you are in a complete different country it's there is there is no blood family around nobody is really having to help you not that your family has to help you i'm like again i didn't talk to them in years Um, but it's, it's just different having a big ocean in between and you do feel home, um, more when, when that's, it's just different. I don't even know how to put a word on it. I think only immigrants really can, can get that. Um, but I think a big part of that also was, and when that was happening was because I was at that point, not quite yet divorced, but with my second husband, there's a whole storm of things that happened there and seeing how close his family is his mom literally lived next door he was that impersonation of unconditional love you you couldn't do wrong no matter what you did or if you or conversations got heated you could never even fight with him and I think all of these influences made me realize how I want to be and what I want to do. And that started the process of my own healing and then working on helping my family and our relationship heal.
0: Mm, I love that. It's, you know, that what that, that screams to me is the, the thing that made that, you know, the thing that made you pivot and the thing that obviously facilitated the start of that healing journey was it was the fact that you wanted something, you wanted that situation, that you know, that loving, those connections, you know, the, the family, the the values and everything. And I always think if you're gonna face up to something that's gonna be a particular challenge, if you're facing up to it with kind of open arms and going, look, okay, this is what's happened. I understand you're gonna feel this way, but this is what I want. I really want all these nice things that we perhaps had or or can have. It's still going to be scary, and I'm, you know, I'm sure I'm sure it was scary for you, but it just gives you a different energy, doesn't it, to to go
1: into it? And it's like how saying "Hey, I screwed up. I'm sorry." is really not as big as we make it. It's it's the thought of it, it's the perception, it's the leading up to the moment you say, "Hey, I screwed up. I'm sorry." It's done. You owned it. It's done. Now let's just do you are you are stepping out of the oh my god what are they going to say what's going to happen are they maybe mm. not how you are finally leaving that stupid brain spiral how what why where when behind you you are owning up and we all know we all screw up bigger mm. or smaller and every day so everybody's going to understand it and if they don't on a lower level friends or whatever sometimes things just line up things are not supposed to be You've owned up to it. You said, I'm sorry. Now people can make a decision. Yeah. And the rest is their decision.
0: Yes, it is. That's really important as well, isn't it? Because it's not then, you know, can sometimes feel in that way that if there are people that still aren't, you know, on a level with that or okay with that, that that's actually, that's about them. Then Mm -hmm. you've kind of, you know, open yourself up and, and, you know, apologize or admit you were wrong or just kind of set the facts straight there. And then that's not then your responsibility to make it right with them.
1: And I had friendships in the past where Mm. I'm like, you know, when we are teens, we are, we are the real stupid ones, right. Where I had friends in the past where it blew up. And at some point I stepped up and I said, Hey, I screwed up. I'm sorry. And it took another 10 years for, and it actually happened, it took another 10 years for her to reach out, for her to be in the space of being like, I see this now and I see my part I had in this and now we're talking. But it takes the step of saying, my bad.
0: Yeah, well, yeah, on both sides in that case. Mm-hmm. And I suppose, yeah. you know, there's always that thought that the relationships that are meant to be will happen and they will reform somewhere. Yep. And whether you talk once every week or once every year or once every ten years, the conversation will still feel as rich, you know, as valued, and and you know, it'll feel like it was yesterday again, won't it? With the right, you know, with the right combination of people.
1: Yep. Totally agree on that one. So yeah, it's been it's been quite interesting with all of that. And especially then leading up to, as you know, um, my second husband got diagnosed with cancer. So oh. talk about committing to something, spending spending two years taking care of somebody. I could have just as well been like, I'm out of here. Mm-hmm. But yeah, it's, that was a quite a few interesting years leading up to me finally being here in San Diego.
0: When just going back to, if you don't mind, just going back to your, your second husband and his diagnosis, uh-huh. how, how far into the relationship was that diagnosis then? Was that, had you been together a while or?
1: So that's that's quite an interesting timeline right in <laughs> in my involvement. At that point, um, due to the legal matters and all the things that my first husband got me and I still was married to my first husband on paper, um, that got dissolved in the middle after the first year of my second husband's cancer. Okay. Um, I have been when Pete was diagnosed, so second ha- second husband's name is Pete. When he was diagnosed, we were already together about seven years. So, because again, legal issues and everything, I didn't know where to poke a hole into this. Mm. Um, we finally had had it start we finally started talking with a lawyer um he said left hand doesn't talk to the right hand go get divorced um we started the paperwork and pete got diagnosed wow. so with the cancer he had it was a head and neck cancer squamous cell carcinoma stage 4b there is no stage 5 but it's a highly curable cancer so you hit it hard you hit it strong you have a 75 percent chance of full recovery and with a man how positive he is and everything there was never a question in my mind. So we put the whole lawyer work on hold and we got him into treatment and about a year later he got his all clear at that point. We finished the legal work. Um we got the. I got divorced. It was literally just paperwork so 6 weeks mm-hmm. later after filing the paperwork I was divorced and on 11/12/13 which is, yeah, the Americans changed their dates around to us Europeans. Um, We got married, and I even was doing, making the joke, um, and you better not get cancer in your vows, right? <laughs> yeah, by beginning of the next year, he got re-diagnosed. The cancer oh, wow. had spread. Um, It was behind his eye. It was in his brains. So we spent another few months just naturally trying to get a hold of it. And yeah, before our first year anniversary of our marriage, he had passed away already. That was that was definitely different because the first year around was like, he's going to pull a Pete, there's no question. He's going to get the all clear. And then suddenly you are getting told, oh yeah, we got to remove your left eye and see what we need to take. Behind the eye, and potentially from from the the skin that covers your brain, kind of thing. It's it's all in your left side, and it's like still at that point, I was like, yeah, this is this is not happening. He's gonna be pulling a Pete again. Mm-hmm. He's gonna with the positivity he has. It's just it's just yeah, not gonna happen. And looking back now at those, yeah, about two years he was coaching me through the process. He was literally coaching me through the process of, yeah, I'm not going to be around, so you better be ready for it.
0: Okay. Mm-hmm. That's, really, that's, that's really, really interesting. So there's almost an acceptance from his part. Whether... No, he
1: was fine with it. it okay. not, that he, not that he didn't fight to yes. live, but he was fine with dying. He was ready for his next journey. And he made sure I was ready too. And
0: did you feel ready when it happened? Say again. Did you feel ready when it happened?
1: I was ready for it to be done. Yeah. I don't and we had this conversation. That's the nice thing. I had a lot of open and honest conversation with him. Um, when you're going through cancer treatment, you're gonna run into other cancer patients. And we went into some amazing people that kept their apps and <laughs> Doc Malou, he is a doctor himself, was a doctor himself. Um, we literally had those those three guys in infusion when you get your fluids and everything to support the chemo and all the things. We had our three guys sitting there and literally within a few months, all three of them passed away, including Pete. But they were always there there were that that triplet and watching them pete and i did have the conversation they both had fought with cancer way longer than we have and i'm like i was how old was i my beginning 30s he mm. was older he was 21 years older than me so he passed away at the age of 50 52 i was in my th- in my 30s i'm like i put everything on hold i didn't I handed off my clients. We were lucky enough to have a lot of angels in our life to allow me to do that. But I'm like, I can't do this for five, six, seven years. There is there is no way of, of doing this that long. So I do believe he made the choice at that point to leave. Mm. Because there was there was no um there was no life. He was in a vegetative state. He couldn't. He couldn't see. He couldn't do. He was. He was a shadow of himself. Mm. I wouldn't want to live like that. So I do believe he made the choice to leave when he left. Um, simply because when when it comes to that point of that hospice care of that deathbed care, a lot of people tell you. The one dying will wait till everybody leaves the room. I'm like, oh, Hank? no, he's not going to. Have you met Pete? <laughs> have, really? And it's exactly how I, how I said it's going to happen. Everybody got to have their breakfast. Everybody had their coffee. Everybody was waking up from barely getting any sleep the night before. All the family had made it into town. And everybody was in the room surrounding him when he passed away. Yeah.
0: So it wasn't as they said then. It was as you knew it was going to be.
1: It was just like Pete left. Mm. surrounded by his friends and family.
0: There's some definite, there's some poetry and some energy in there, isn't
1: there? Yep. Mm. And a close friend of his happens to be, (sighs) what do you call it? I don't even know what term there is for that. But she is helping the family when somebody is passing. So with the arrangements, with taking care of the body, there's a whole bunch of biological stuff that happens when somebody passes away. And she takes care of all of this. And often enough, there is that process of keeping the, the body in the house for three days. Um, Don't remember the whole story. There's a story behind it and everything. I'm like, girl, he's already moved on. He's not sticking around to say bye to everybody. He's already moved on. We know him. He's on to the next journey. He, he's having fun running around somewhere.
0: <laughs> and
1: it's, it's just been interesting going through all of this with this is what usually happens. And I'm like, yeah, no, that's, that's not going to happen like that. It's like, we know Pete. You know his personality. And there were a couple of weird things that that just happened where right before he passed away, he actually made a motion with his arms and he hadn't moved in in forever. Again, he was in a pretty much vegetative state yeah. Um, where it looked like he hugged somebody. Now, his son died in a car accident. His dad has just passed away a couple months before that. And we know how close the family is. And that whole movement... If you don't have that background information, it's like, this usually doesn't happen like that. And am like, <laughs> yeah, have you met this family? Yeah. Nothing ever happens in this family like it usually does. Wow. Yeah, there's definitely more between heaven and earth than we know.
0: Mm, absolutely. I'm well open for that. I am open for that. And it's interesting what it does with, I suppose... In in fact, no, I'm not going to make a comment. I'm going to ask you a question instead. So, based on you almost from the bit of life that you've described, kind of living against expectation, um, going over to America, being a you know having that immigrant feeling of not being home, then making yourself a home, you know, with Pete, and then everything like that happening, what do you do next then? Because you're not going to just lay down and let.
1: Kind so that's listening. that's interesting with human nature. I am a big, big fan of live life now. You have no idea what's going to happen. And a situation like that brings that really, really big on the forefront. So after Pete passed away, um, I went out there. I went skydiving. I did all the things that were on my to-do list or started doing all the things that were on my to-do list. It's one of the reasons why I'm in San Diego. Because I love it here. I feel home here. And everybody tells you, San Diego is expensive at hell. You can't make it happen. Watch me. But there is also the human aspect of it. As much as I say, do the things you want to do today.
0: Mm -hmm.
1: We are humans. We get into our everyday rut. I catch myself complaining about little things where I'm like, whoa, 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 enough. I do deal with anxiety. I do deal with panic attacks. I do deal with separation anxiety and this fear of dying alone. There is a lot of work that's happening behind the scenes based out of that trauma and that experience, but it's also driving me to go get my private pilot license. Wow. To go jump out of a perfectly fine plane, to do everyday things, even though I'm like, yeah, but I could just sit on the couch. This Sunday, yesterday was literally the perfect example. We had plans exploring Little Italy right here in San Diego to get out of the house, to enjoy me living in San Diego, right? Because I'm such a homebody. I can spend all day, all week or month at home and be happy. I didn't want to go. And I'm like, no, I am going. And I had a great afternoon, but the push that said I'm going to be going is because life is too short to do the things you want to do tomorrow. But it's this balancing act of knowing that Mm. and our human nature of getting into the habit of, oh my God, my business is not running how I want it to be. And now this client is complaining again, and this is not working. And we get into this drama rut of every day. Mm. Till we catch ourselves and it's like, whoa, 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 whoa. Change your perspective. Clean this up. Oh so, yeah. It's live.
0: So what's the next thing you've got coming up then? What's the next big thing? World domination. Been? World domination.
1: World domination. Now joking, it's it's no, I'm just halfway joking. Um, taking my business to the next level. My big dream is um Helping women get into the position of making decisions not based on money, but rather on their gut and what they want to do. I've been in relationships where I've been caught where I had to make decisions based on money, Mm -hmm. where I had to make decisions or stay in a situation I didn't want to stay in because I couldn't change it because I didn't have the finances to do it. Um, And especially with females, we are nurturing, We, we are brought up with this mom gene, no matter if we are moms or not, we already stick things out longer than we sometimes maybe should. So My goal is for the women that are going out there that are saying, I want to build a business to help them build a business that is self-sustainable, that is bulletproof, that allows them to get the finances they want to make the decisions they want based on themselves.
0: Based on this and this. I'm pointing down to my stomach, yeah. Yes.
1: Own your awesome.
0: Own your awesome and be powered by mates.
1: Yep. And it's, it's been interesting watching, especially with the changes that TikTok has brought with, um, bringing things to the forefront with watching men step up and be like, we get to own our emotions. You You can be the strong badass guy and still be emotional. We still can be boss women and still stick in our our female and our femininity and have guys open the door and support us. And it's been really interesting watching These these crazy we've we always swing from one side to the other really big before we come into that middle point Mm. and looking at what's happening out there right now I think we are getting closer and closer to finally get this middle point I am all for femininity and stepping out there and doing all the things but burning bras is not going to do the thing fighting guys on opening our door is not going to do the thing so we swung all the way over to that where some of you guys have gotten the brunt of it and you didn't deserve it mm-hmm. we then swung back to the other side and now it seems to hopefully finally uh, ha- find that middle ground of where we can be at all Yes, on the side of you guys as well as for as women.
0: I love that. I love that idea of something swinging out and then settling in the middle, just like just like in physics. It would when do that you back. when
1: you look at human nature, that's what happens, and yeah. you need that wake up call. I'm like this wake up call is happening in the states right now. Yes, where where issues are swinging so far to one side because groups of people have been bashed down i'm like there's so many things happening in the us right now but that pain often is needed for humans to take action to do something about it i wish we could prevent it it's like can we build some ai or something to get people in that situation without physically harming them but how do we not uh psychologically harm them in the process to to get the same effect but it's we're just gonna to have to go through the process, I guess.
0: Yeah, it's interesting how things change over time. And hopefully something will come and and, and you know and help with that. Um, okay, so curveball for you then. So a question that I'd never asked you to prepare because I always like this on the spot.
1: Putting it on As
0: superheroes. Okay, if you were a superhero, what power would you have and what would you use it for?
1: It's always a question of mind reading versus flying. Now I'm working on my private pilot license, so we got the flying taken care of. So it's going to be mind reading. I like to, I want to understand people. That's why I got NLP certified and all the things. I want to understand why people do certain things and understand their perception of the world because we all have different perceptions. So it's it's going to have to be mind reading if I can turn it off I don't want to hear everybody every time. Well
0: I mean yeah that's the caveat <laughs> right you've got to be able to turn it off otherwise you yeah. would just go crazy.
1: <laughs> mhm. And I'm crazy enough by myself.
0: I I wouldn't consider you crazy. Just I don't think bit. that's I don't think that's a great word. I think full of energy full of life is probably a better. But
1: you know. I like that perception of crazy. Huh.
0: <laughs> yeah, crazy has negative conversations, doesn't it? And it doesn't, doesn't No,
1: have- only if your perception is that way. I love crazy. Crazy is the most fun.
0: Okay. Well, I take that back. And I un- I absolutely understand what you've just said then. I I will I will take that on my vocabulary. Now, if anyone wants to find out a bit more about even more about what you do or see a little bit more of you on social media or anything, how can they follow you?
1: The or- easiest one is com. That's A-S-K-Y-V-I.com. The social links are all on top. Everything is linked right there.
0: Perfect. And if anyone wants to look at any of the other episodes of this podcast um, or have a look at the Mac Cave, nice pun. It's, it's terrible. That's why I've got a point out. I it's love nice it. Pun. It's uh, www.imdoingitfor.me. And from myself and from Yvonne, thank you for listening, everyone. And make sure you stay super.